Hare Krishna, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Bhakti Sutra. And in today's session, we are going to cover Shlokas 16 to 18. So before we start, let's do the prayer for Guru and God. Om Agyanati Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakya Chakshuru Militamena Tasmai Shri Guru Venama Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 Oh, no, she's not keeping well, sir. Oh, my prayers and best wishes. Hope she feels better okay. soon. Yeah. So, let us start. Uh, you want to follow? Let us uh, start with 16th sloka. Puja Dishu. Puja Dishu. Vanuraga. Vanuraga. Iti. Iti. Parasharyaha. In the uh, previous sloka, we discussed how there are the different characteristics. Exactly. And we also discussed how there are different ways in which love, divine love, can be described by different people. So now Naraji is talking about Vedvyas. So Naraji is mentioning what is Vedvyas description? How does he describe the symptoms of divine bhakti? So what does Vedvyasji say? I mean, in this particular sloka, in the worship of the Lord with deep love and firm attachment, thus describes the son of sage Parashara, Sri Vedavyasa. So what does Vedavyasa say? I mean, what is his opinion? He says that one of the symptoms of divine love is the desire for puja or worship of the Lord. So in very simple terms, if somebody is progressing on the path, uh, path to bhakti yoga, you will see that that person has a lot of desire to do puja and worship of the Lord. Now, there is a word used here, anurag. The word basically means an intense desire to perform puja of the Lord. That is what anurag basically means. So if you recollect, Prahlada says, O Hari, May not the ceaseless flow of love and attachment leave my heart while I am constantly meditating upon thee. This is in the Vishnu Puran. So, Prahalada's description of the various activities involved in devotion, they are described in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, I will share the actual sloka numbers with you. It is 7.5.23 and 7.5.24 from Srimad Bhagavatam. So, I will just say, I won't uh, recite this sloka. I will just say what Prahlad Maharaj is saying here. So, Prahlad Maharaj says that hearing and chanting about the transcendental holy name, the form, qualities and pastimes of Lord Vishnu, remembering them, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, offering the Lord respectful worship with 16 types of paraphernalia, offering prayers to the Lord, becoming his servant, Considering the Lord one's best friend and surrendering everything unto Him. In other words, 
serving the Lord with body, mind and words, everything. And Prahlad Maharaj talks about nine processes and those nine processes are accepted as pure devotional service. So Prahlad Ji says that if you can dedicate your life to Vishnu through these processes, then you will be considered one of the most learned persons because you have acquired the right knowledge, the complete knowledge. That is the required knowledge. Now, the devotion may not be consistent until we are established in yoga. Like we are all still learning. We are all still in the beginning stages. So for us, the consistency is very difficult. See, if you remember, throughout Bhagavad Gita session, we kept repeating this word, consistency. Consistency is the key. Okay. It, it is the key even in material pursuits. Like tomorrow, if you think you want to get a fit body, you start going to the gym. You cannot go to the gym with a lot of josh for five days and then take a break for 10 days, then come back for five days. You are not going to really make any progress. Sometimes it will actually take you back. You know, it's a joke, a practical joke. A person who has never done any gym, they will be relatively better off than a person who does gym for some time and then takes a big break, then comes back, does and takes a big break. Because when you do gym, you think you have worked out, so you need to eat more. But then when you take a break, you continue eating more. <laughs> so anyway, so consistency is the key. So, when the fruit is fully ripe, then your mind will automatically want to focus all the time on God. That is Anuraga. So, when you say focus your mind, in what way? So, in this 16th sloka, according to Veda Vyas, you are focusing your mind by performing puja, actual puja of the deities. Now, see, about deity worship, there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of confusion. You know, people actually ask, this question is one of the most commonly asked questions, most misunderstood part of our culture. So, people will always ask, Oh, is that piece of stone God? How can you say that that piece of wood is God? I mean, this just seems insane, you know. So, I will try to explain to the best of my knowledge. We are not saying that the piece of wood is God. We are not saying that 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 stone is God. We are saying they are a way for us to focus on God. These are different things. They are our way of representing God. See, for one thing, nobody knows exactly how God looks. Nobody knows exactly what his name is. Nobody knows exactly how he sounds like. See, so it is kind of childish to say that you know somebody knows exactly how God should look like. So saying that, hey, Whatever you are using, God doesn't look like that. God looks like what I'm using. You know, that's a very childish way of putting at it. The other aspect that you know we should consider is I'm sure most of us have have children. So I'm sure that uh, at some point our children may have drawn a very funny looking you know, a shapeless circle with two dots and a stick for hands, stick for legs. And they may have come to us and said, oh, this is Papa or this is Mama. Now, 
everybody knows that there is no resemblance really i mean if you look at the actual papa or mama and if you look at the picture there is really no resemblance but the mama or papa they accept it they understand the intent of the child and they accept that as a representation of them they say oh yeah you are drawn papa is so nice that is the same way here we have a very immature way of looking at god that's okay we don't have to know exactly how god looks we don't have to know how to exactly portray god our intent has to be there god understands god knows what we are trying to do god knows what you are trying to seek right so you can have just a piece of stone in front of you but if you intend if you have the right intention then god will accept it as his own form that is the whole idea behind idol worship or deity worship they are means of letting you focus on god and god will accept whatever you use as a tool you get it i think simran ji missed one of the very important part of the discussion no okay. i was hearing i was hearing i was okay, hearing okay. okay now there is a story there is a story of a person called dhanna jat and uh, he is from rajasthan india it's actually a true story very popular story you can search on the net later so i will tell the story in a short form just to focus on the tatparya like what we want to take out of that story he was illiterate and he used to work at a pandit ji's house and he started pestering the pandit ji saying guru ji swami ji give me some gyan give me some mantra you know i want to know god and uh, the swami ji would keep telling him you don't know any scriptures you are illiterate you can't read what am i going to tell you like how are you going to understand anything but uh, dhanna is very persistent he is like i want to know uh, so what the guru ji does uh, the swami ji one day was making bhang you know what is bhang right this kind of uh, is a drink we make it's kind of an intoxicating drink uh do you remember the yeah there's a particular day yeah during holy day mahashivratri and holy yes yes that is when we make that bhang right so the yeah. swami ji was preparing it and then at that time danna again pestered him saying you know tell me about god i really want to know so what the swami ji does is he takes that stone that he was using to crush bhang he gives it to danna and says take it that is a very divine chaligram it is a form of vishnu go take it home worship it offer it food because it is a vishnu himself go take it so he just wants to get rid of danna you know but you see danna is a very simple person see usually what happens if you are extremely intelligent you will get the knowledge quickly or if you are extremely simple you will still get the knowledge the problem is only people in the middle you know half knowledge uh, they are the ones who usually struggle to understand or internalize things so danna was a very simple illiterate person so swami ji said this is god take it home so he just religiously took it home he washed it he offered flower he offered jal everything and then he said oh swami ji said i have to offer food to vishnu so he has two rotis with him so he keeps one roti in front of the shaligram and he says vishnu ji 
Swamiji said, I have to offer you food. So here is, please eat. Once you eat, then I will eat. And then he waits. He waits for 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour, two hours. Vishnu is not eating. So he is very upset. He says, Vishnu, why are you not eating? Is it because instead of uh, two rotis, I gave you only one? Okay, take my roti also. So he keeps both rotis in front of Vishnu. And he says, now you eat. Again, he waits. 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour, Vishnu doesn't eat. So Dhanna says, listen Vishnu, I have given you everything I have. I don't know why you are not eating. It's okay. As long as you don't eat, I'm also not going to eat. I'll just sit and wait for you. So he sits in front of that saligram and he's waiting for days. And Vishnu is observing all of this. So on the sixth day, Vishnu's heart melts. Vishnu says, look at this person's faith. Look at this person's simplicity and devotion. And the story goes that actually he gives darshan to Dhanna. And because Vishnu understands everything and Vishnu just touches his head. And in that instance, Dhanna becomes a jnani. All the knowledge of all the scriptures, everything he has to know just comes to him. And it is a true story. And after that, he became a well-known Swami himself and he would preach and all of that. So, so the, the point is, this kind of God's grace, even jnanis, yogis, they take multiple births to get. But Dhanna, without knowing any scriptures, got it. Because... As we keep on saying, what is most important is the bhav, the intent, the faith. These are the most important ingredients. All the scriptures, all the jnana is to take us there, is to convince us that that is what is important. But once we understand that, then the jnana is not what is going to get us God's grace. It is a faith and it is a simplicity and the intent that is going to get So that is the whole idea. So basically, that was not even a shaligram. It was just an ordinary stone used to make bhang. But it doesn't matter. If you have the right intent, God will accept that you are serving God, that you are seeing God. God knows what you are doing even if you don't know. That is the point. I hope that makes sense. Now let us remember what Sri Krishna said in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. This used to be the favorite shloka of Anish. Patram pushpam phalam toyam yome bhaktya prayachati tadaham bhakti upahritam ashnami prayatatmanaha. Whoever offers me with devotion a leaf, a flower, a fruit or water, that I accept when offered with devotion and pure mind. Even Sri Krishna has said the same thing. So at that point you don't have to worry. Like, oh, it is just a leaf I'm offering. That's, it doesn't matter. The intent matters. The bhava matters. A similar thing is also written in uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. In the 11th canto, it says, the deity form of the Lord is said to appear in eight varieties. So, according to Srimad Bhagavatam, there are eight varieties of deities. I mean, the materials, how, how we make it or how they are portrayed. What are those eight? Stone, wood, metal, earth, paint, sand, 
and the mind and jewels these are the eight so when they when they are talking about paint and all they are basically talking about a painting so basically according to our scriptures when you talk about deity worship it can even be a painting or it can just be a piece of stone whatever they they are all representations of god now as you can see what is the difference between these eight how do they differ they all differ in how long they will last so obviously a deity made of sand is going to have the lowest lasting capacity because it's going to get destroyed right what do you think is the longest lasting out of these eight any guesses i will repeat the eight again stone wood metal earth paint sand mind and jewels mind yeah mind Mind. Yes. There you got it. So the deity that we make through our mind is going to be the most everlasting. Nothing can destroy it. Why I am talking about this is we are going to talk about something similar in the nineteenth, eighteenth verse. But I want to make sure there is no confusion. So here we are talking about actual form of God. now that form can be made in a sand or stone or metal or whatever but you can also make that form in your own mind once you are focused enough in your meditation and devotion you can make that form in your own mind and that form is the most superior form of deity because it cannot get dirty it cannot get cracked it cannot break that is yours forever so that is what we are trying to say thus ved vyas ji says that desire for worshiping god is one of the symptoms of divine love i hope this is clear no questions okay let's go to the 17th shloka katha dishu katha dishu dishu iti gargaha iti gargaha to garga muni he was another great saint so now what is his interpretation so according to maharishi garg the symptom of bhakti is a passion for listening to the stories of his glories and leelas so whereas ved vyas said the symptom of bhakti means you will be doing worship of god like deity worship garg muni says the symptom of bhakti is you will always be desiring to hear about god god's leelas god god's glories now if you remember sri ram also said this as part of the explanation of navada bhakti we read the ramcharitamanas to where he said dusri rati mam kata prasanga which is he said second step of bhakti is you have to enjoy listening to the kathas and stories of glories and pastimes of the lord now see in the indian philosophy we also discuss this in bhagavad gita about the indriyas so there are karmendriyas and jnanendriyas karmendriyas are the senses which are used action oriented and nyanendriyas are ones which are intellect oriented so for example karmendriyas are what you need for speaking walking procreation etc whereas nyanendriyas are the organs responsible for perception ability to see hear smell taste they are nyanendriyas so the position of nyanendriyas is supposed to be higher than the position of karmendriyas so far i think it's making sense so here gargamuni says 
because whatever ved vyas ji said the deity worship was a function of the karmendriya because you are actually performing worship using your hands and all of that what gargamuni is saying is a function of gnanendriya he is saying you will be listening you want to listen to god's glories and god's leela some of you may know there was a great saint named gnanadeva he suchita may know this uma ji may also know this maybe sulata ji also knows that because he used to live in a place called alandi near pune in maharashtra in somewhere in the 13th century he was also known as gnaneshwar 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 gnanadeva they are all the same people and he was one of the uh, biggest proponents of bhakti through gnanendriyas in other words listening to god singing kirtans so he also is the author of gnaneshwari one of the most beautiful translations of poetic translations of the bhagavad gita is written in marathi yeah, the uh, incidentally many years ago i think i don't know the exact time it could be 20 years ago i was uh, relatively younger i was in the corporate sector and those were the times when i was myself struggling with the bhagavad gita because i used to read it it still used to not make full sense and so i used to keep a copy in my desk and so some of my colleagues saw that nobody knew bhagavad gita they were all like me they are all figuring it out right so one of them is a maharashtrian so he on my birthday he gifted me a book called gnaneshwari and i asked him what is this and even he didn't know exactly what it was he said oh it is something related to bhagavad gita <laughs> so i read the naneshwari first one page and i said oh god bhagavad gita is so hard <laughs> because the naneshwari is a marathi pure marathi poem <laughs> and for for like at least a few days i was very discouraged i'm like oh is bhagavad gita so tough that when am i going to understand but yeah later on it all made sense just a funny episode so the idea that naneshwar had was the inclination towards singing inclination towards listening so he also composed what are called as abhangs these abhangs are uh, marathi poems which you don't need to be a scholar even common illiterate people can listen to these abhangs and just follow along that was the whole idea he wanted the population general population to take part in kirtans and singing the glories of the lord and the other thing about abhangs was there are no rules like it is not like you have to take a bath and you have to do it on a thursday there is no such thing you can sing the abhangs whenever you want wherever you want whoever you are that was the beauty and uh, so there are other saints like eknath maharaj tukaram maharaj they all got inspired by gnaneshwar and they also continued the legacy of abhangs writing and singing abhangs and gnaneshwar was also responsible for starting the varkari movement so it was gnaneshwar who started that whole concept of vari varkaris where people will go and you know go on this long tour and they will go and worship vithal it's a very beautiful tradition and on the way they are constantly singing abhangs and kirtans you know, that is the whole idea the idea is they will use that entire procession to remember god 
and sing God's glories and they will also be listening to God's leelas and glory. Such a beautiful concept. Now, Sri Krishna has also emphasized the importance of Kirtan and chanting in the Bhagavad Gita. You can read Bhagavad Gita Sloka 9.14. So, 9.14 says, Always chanting and singing my glories, endeavoring with great determination, going down before me, these great souls perpetually worship me with devotion. Satatam Exactly. Satatam Kirtayantomam. So that is Lord Krishna's recommendation as well. And Lord Chaitanya's Shikshastakam. So it is said that Lord Chaitanya himself officially only documented eight lokas. Now I don't either argue against or for, but this is what is commonly believed, and that is called as the Shikshastakam. So in that he says. I don't want to make a mistake in pronunciation, so I will not uh, recite the actual sloka, but I'll just say the explanation. This is Tatakami says the, the increasing ocean of transcendental bliss, the tasting of the full nectar of immortality, and the complete purification of the self, all these are achieved through the chanting of the Lord's holy names, the Krishna Sankirtana. This is what Lord Chaitanya also has said. So, I am just quoting many different sources and many different saints and sages who are all talking about the same thing, about chanting and hearing and listening to the God's glories and leelas as being a symptom of divine love or bhakti. It is also written in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is a very beautiful uh, work which I think we can read much later. I mean, once we are growing on the path of bhakti, succeeding, then Chaitanya Chaitramatra will, will make more sense. So there it is said, the holy name of Krishna is transcendently blissful. It bestows all spiritual benedictions, for it is Krishna himself. See, this is the most important concept that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and explained to us is the name of Krishna and Krishna, they are not different. So, if we can chant or take the name of Krishna with the right bhav, the right intent, we have Krishna. Krishna is with us. That is the whole concept. That is one of the reasons why chanting the name is given so much importance. Any doubt so far? Okay, maybe we can go to the 18th shloka. Atmarati. Atmarati. Avirodena Avirodena Yeti Shandilya Yeti Shandilya So, it means the devotion for God which is not opposed to attachment to inner self is true devotion according to stage Shandilya. Now, Naraji is explaining the opinion of Shandilya Muni. Do you remember Shandilya Muni? Did we discuss Shandilya Muni anytime? Does the name ring a bell? No? <laughs> okay. We discussed his name when we uh, were talking about the introduction to Bhakti Sutra, where we said that Narad Muni approaches Bhakti from the heart, whereas Shandilya Muni approaches Bhakti through the intellect. So, Shandilya Muni has also written a Bhakti Sutra, but that Bhakti Sutra is a very intellectual analysis of Bhakti. So, it is that Chandilya Muni, 
and here he is talking about his what he believes to be a symptom of bhakti or divine love so what he believes that bhakti whatever we offer whatever we do it should all be internal to us instead of anything external let us try to understand what he is trying to say like some of us uh, let us take any temple like uh, maybe a very most popular temple these days in maharashtra is shirdi uh, the shirdi temple right and i know many friends who have been there i have also been there many times now when somebody goes to shirdi and then when we are discussing what their experience was you know one person will say oh such a big marketing complex they have built the other person will say oh have you seen that they have kind of you know uh redone the whole perimeter now there are walls and this somebody else will say oh did you go to the place where they distribute prasad it's so big and the prasad is so tasty and somebody else will say oh did you see the mukut on baba that is 50 crore rupees worth of gold but tell me something does any of this resonate with bhakti because these are all distractions we didn't go to shirdi to look at the mukut we didn't go to shirdi to look at the canteen correct this is what chandilya muni is trying to say chandilya muni is trying to say the external there should not be that is not what is bhakti the bhakti is to be everything internal now basically chandilya muni says you have to avoid external distractions if you put it in other words that is his pretty much philosophy but what he more specifically says is we have to take delight only in the atman in other words don't even depend on a deity don't depend on a painting you have to take delight only in your own atman now what is his logic is when the devotee progresses on the path of bhakti see it's a very logical reasoning if you see what he says is when a devotee actually makes progress on the path of bhakti when you get closer and closer you will realize that your soul is a tiny spark of god himself so in other words your soul is god qualitatively it may not be the same quantitatively but qualitatively your god your soul is the same as god so he says when that is the case why do you want anything else so that is his reasoning so according to him a symptom of divine bhakti is you are totally relying on enjoying your own atma taking delight in your own atma sri krishna has also said something similar in chapter 3 3.17 where he says that but those who rejoice in the self who are illumined and fully satisfied in the self for them there is no duty so who is that them he is talking about those elevated souls so krishna is also saying that one of the symptoms is this elevated souls they are fully satisfied in their own self self realization 
this can also lead to a discussion and debate around worshiping particular forms of god versus worshiping formless aspects so there are so many aspects here like should it be external should it be internal even if it is internal should you be focusing on a form of god or should you be trying to visualize or focus on the formless aspect of god you know uh, saguna versus nirguna we discussed that also in the bhagavad gita now in chapter 12 arjuna had asked a question to shri krishna evam satata yukta e bhakta swam paryupasate e chapi aksharam avyaktam tesham ke yoga vittamah arjuna is asking between those who are steadfastly devoted to and focused on your personal form and those who worship your formless aspect between these two whom do you consider to be more perfect in yoga arjuna had a similar question and the lord said mai aveshya mano ye maam nitya yukta upasate shraddhaya parayopetas te me yuktama matah the lord said those who fix their minds on me and always engage in my devotion with steadfast faith i consider them to be the best yogis and then he also says for those whose minds are attached to the unmanifest the path of realization is full of tribulations it is very hard see this we discussed uh, in the bhagavad gita sessions that the very fact that the formless aspect means what it is the unmanifested aspect but we are a manifested entity our eyes are manifested our ears are manifested our head our brain everything is manifested now how can you use a manifested entity to perceive the unmanifested it is very difficult because there has to be a lot of intellectualization happening there has to be a lot of it's it's very hard that's what krishna himself also said so krishna said he prefers if you focus on a form and later on in the bhagavad gita krishna himself has said that i have a form i am formless but i also have a form so it is perfectly okay for us and in fact focusing on a form is better for us because that is easier and that gives us the same result because as i said again you don't have to sit and debate what is accurate it doesn't matter because god knows what you are trying to reach god knows that you are thinking about him so you don't have to worry whether the image of god is perfect or the structure of god is perfect you just focus on your bhav and intent that is what even krishna has advised so in my humble opinion although maharishi shandilya's philosophy is very logical because it was logical right i mean he said in bhakti you realize how your soul is a tiny part of god that's all fine and then he says because you now realize that your soul is god why don't you just depend on that why do you depend on anything else so it's very logical but it is not very practical and shri krishna himself has confirmed that in the bhagavad gita because krishna himself has said that for human beings it is impractical to try and reach him by meditating on or focusing on the formless aspect 
it is much easier and effective to use a form. So that is where, but in my opinion, whatever Shandilya Muni has said, out of that, we should focus on the part where he talks about Ananda. Because Shandilya Muni basically says that you, you have to derive Ananda through your own Atma. So this through your own Atma part is not very easy, but the Ananda part is important. In my opinion, this is what is also said by many self-realized saints and sages. How can we, this is a question not for, not to ask others, it is a question to ask ourselves. How can we say that we, I mean, this is very profound because when I'm saying this, I'm, I'm kind of telling myself, hey, you should, you, you should know this, you know. So, one of the quickest way to say, whether you ask yourself, am I progressing on bhakti? Okay, how do, how do, what answer will you get? That depends on the second question. Am I more blissful than what I was yesterday? If I am more miserable than what I was yesterday, then I am not progressing on bhakti. <laughs> so, if you are truly progressing on bhakti, today you should be more blissful than what you were yesterday. And eventually, you have to be in a state of Satchidananda, where you are fully in eternal bliss. That should be your goal. So, till you reach there, at every stage, are you more blissful, getting more blissful, or are you getting more miserable? Are you getting more <laughs> upset and worried and sad and all of that? So, if the answer is, I am feeling more blissful, then God bless you, you are on the right path, you are progressing on bhakti. If the answer is, no, I don't think I'm more blissful than I was yesterday, then introspect. What am I doing wrong in my bhakti yoga? And try to fix it. So simple. This, I think, is the most profound part of what Shandilya Muni has said. So Shandilya Muni has said, let us not focus on the part where he said it, it has to be only internal and it has to, you don't need anything external. But he said, you have to get ananda and bliss. That is a very, very objective indication of whether we are succeeding and growing on the path of bhakti. Because any success in bhakti yoga will always result in bliss. It is guaranteed. If it is not resulting in bliss, then you are not doing bhakti, you are doing something else. Okay, so I think with this we can conclude today's session. Hare Krishna. Again, I apologize for the initial uh, blunder and uh, maybe I'm just a little tired. My brain was not working. But now I'm, after uh, revising Shandilya Muni's uh, shloka, now again, I'm fine. I have to be more blissful. <laughs> so I can open the floor for any questions, comments, anything else you want to add? Yes, Surataji. Uh, when explaining earlier this uh, Nirakara and uh, which is other forms? Sikkara, is it? Nirakara and... Uh... Yeah, with Akara and Nirakara and also Saguna and Nirguna. Saguna is you have all Gunas and Nirguna means you have no Guna. You had mentioned that, you know, uh, Saguna is the, you know, 
uh, will be more more is more uh, better because god's mercy will be there right wow i'm super impressed you remember that part yes because mercy is also a guna yeah so if you are nirguna then you don't have mercy also yeah. only so, through intellect exactly yeah. so that is why that path is very hard that path is very dry very sharp very dry and very hard path so excellent thank you so much for bringing that up i think someday very soon sulata ji should start uh, taking some batches of bhagavad gita well not zero no no you should i think welcome uh... to face the challenges in life so i am nowhere <laughs> we are all facing challenges no i wish i could say that i am self realized no i am also still struggling i am also growing so the, the <laughs> this is the paradox the paradox is people who have truly achieved self realization <laughs> they don't like to talk <laughs> they don't want to talk they don't want to explain anything to anybody <laughs> they are in their sachidananda state they are blissful <laughs> so we we usually get all our lessons uh, all our learnings from fellow strugglers <laughs> yeah like uh, even uh, ramana maharishi is a great example he was a self realized soul but he would not talk most of the times he would want to be just silent <laughs> so you had to be yourself very advanced in bhakti yoga to understand what he is trying to convey without talking <laughs> uh, so sulata ji to answer your question i think struggling we are all struggling what is important is the intent and you also have a good memory which is very important for teaching because when people ask questions you should remember the answers Oh, as you said now we should ask ourselves whether we are uh, blissful or not but that is not happening it's getting more <laughs> yeah i know i know i know i know i totally agree i mean but these are all such good tips uh, you know tips to kind of really do a self check what is the point in just going on reading for days and months and years but without having any way to measure how it is helping us So these are all very good quick tips vairagya yeah so, go ahead go ahead uh, the most uh, helpful one is that knowledge of atma <laughs> that at least um, consoles you you know when you think that this is all temporary this is like a movie going on <laughs> which we are watching as atma so that true 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 it should just not become an escapism Is, is yeah, 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 because sometimes people misunderstand it and they say, "Why do? Why should I do anything? Because it's all temporary. It's all Maya. That's not the point. The point is we are here for a purpose. And if we can understand the purpose, the purpose is we have to turn towards God. The purpose is we have to realize the nature of God. Purpose is to realize our own relationship with God. Until that purpose is not fulfilled, it's going to be a live, die, repeat. So, are you blissful? More blissful now than you were one hour ago. 
ओके ओके दैट मीन्स दिस क्लास वॉज मीनिंगफुल थैंक यू थैंक यू एवरीबडी रियली ग्रेटफुल Yeah. means we are not uh, worry about any worldly things. So we are talking about that one, and that the bhakti is inside. Still, it's good. I feel like that even when doing puja or going to temple or whatever might be, I forget everything. That's a thing. I that I am very happy inside. I don't know how to express that one, but I'm happy. That is the one. So the one hour also, I'm very happy with that one. But uh, it's this is my feeling. <laughs> Really yeah. appreciate that. Really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for being uh, supporting and being regular because it helps me also be regular because I know that oh, at least these few people are going to be there, so I make sure that my notes are ready, no matter what. So thank you, thank you all for helping me also. Poonam ji wants to say something. Yeah, Lakshmi said just now. Know that we feel happy. I also don't know what I'm achieving, what I'm listening. Miss, it is going my. But I feel very happy to attend the session. I'm reg. I want to be regular. Like I don't want to miss it. I don't know internally. I feel I have achieved something. Maybe not the gyan and all the words and difficult uh, notes and everything, but I'm achieving something out of it. that's my thank you to you and i feel very satisfied happy to attend the session hare krishna hare krishna you are very kind thank you so much yeah so much. maybe not uh, very intellectual or uh, reciting shlokas and all but still i feel i'm getting something out of it uh, very encouraging thank you so much really so we we'll see you all tomorrow then in our bhagavad gita session yeah okay yeah. thank you so much hare krishna have a wonderful evening and a wonderful day hare krishna thank you hare krishna hare krishna hare krishna